Crow Talk. Crow Talk. Crow Talk. Film Squawk. Little Women, written and directed by Greta Gerwig, 2019. Four sisters coming of age challenge woes of poverty and patriarchy in 19th century America. Happy 2020! Was that a fourth voice? What? What? Cassidy? I'm Cassidy. I'm Rochelle. I'm Stacy. I'm Laura. (gasps) Oh my word. No big deal. She's a member of our company, people. She's a beautiful, beautiful crow. Laura, tell us about yourself. Okay. I am a member of Talking to Crows, and I am a writer and actor occasionally, uh, as well as a teacher here in the town we live in. By acting occasionally, she means she's one of the principal actors in our first feature film, so (laughs) occasionally. you know, whatever. (laughs) Also, get a load of that radio voice. Yow. I might have done some DJing in the past. Woo! We're excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And there couldn't be a more perfect first podcast for you to join us on as we... Four people? Yep, four people. (laughs) Four women. Little women. (laughs) Really? My jaw's dropping. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... So special. I didn't. That was the best moment ever. So without further ado, how about we hear some yays? Reasons to seek out Greta Gerwig's Little Woman ASAP. My yay would have to be go see this film if you want to see a secret Louisa May Alcott biography. Uh, I would say go see this film if you want a story uh, that allows for women to have multiple paths to a happy ending rather than an one single idea of what it means to be a happy and fulfilled woman. Seek out this adaptation of Little Women if you're interested in experiencing a nonlinear story structure to a very well-known classic story. I would say you're feeling a little bit down, you're feeling a little bit lazy, go watch this movie and it'll motivate the shit out of you (laughs) to be the best version of your lady self you could possibly be. All right, how about some nays? Reasons that individuals may not seek out this film or may have trouble when viewing this film. I would say my nay is Beth's character. She wasn't my Beth. And some casting in general. She didn't have that quivering Claire Danes chin that you like need. Mm, I do love that Claire Danes quivering chin. Man of chins could kill. That's the killer chin. That's the killer chin. My nay is kind of a fake nay because I really enjoyed this film. Um, but kind of off of uh, actually Rochelle's yay was the nonlinear structure. If you struggle with that sort of thing, I think I was a little at the beginning. It felt a lot of it felt like a lot all at once. Um, and I think I wanted that like warm Christmas opening. So at first I was a little like concerned. Uh, but then within, you know, 20 minutes she had me. So it was fine. In true Cassidy form, I'm going to second some of what Stacy was alluding to. I struggled uh, significantly with the portrayal of all four of the sisters in this film. So that is my, that's my nay. And I'm not even a purist. And so that'll be fun to unpack. I'm so excited to unpack that with you. Okay, nay, 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 nay. Yeah, I'm struggling to have a nay. I went in thinking I was very skeptical going in because I love the 1994 Little Women. It's my little women. And for me, this Little Women was much richer and the characters were richer. Um, So I guess my nay is... 
That you don't have a name? That I don't have a name. Moving on. <laughs> if you had to be a sister, what sister would you be? I mean, I would be Joe. But the reality of me, I think, is I'm mostly Joe with a little bit of Amy. I would say I am the exact opposite. And I am neither Joe nor Amy, but I think I'm a mix of mostly Meg with probably a little bit of Beth in there. Perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> Just why we're such good friends. <laughs> Balance. I definitely think I am a Beth, particularly as a child. And then I identify with Joe as a teen and being not too boy crazy and um, and maybe hopefully I'll stay there in the Joe space. But I think I'm down the middle, Beth and Joe equal parts, one to one ratio. Yeah, I dipped into Amy hard in my teen years. <laughs> I was like, Amy. Yeah, I think my core is probably Meg and like a Meg always trying to be a Joe, probably, is what it is. Uh, just very, very traditional person who actually hates tradition. <laughs> so. I feel like all of our mixes make the best of sense. <laughs> so Little Women isn't new to adaptations, whether that's in the film form or TV miniseries. I believe this is the eighth filmic adaptation. Uh, of Little Women. Some have been silent films, some black and white. We have the beautiful Technicolor, modernized uh, version set in the present day, like we saw in 2018. Um, but this film is definitely in era uh, with a different lens cast for modernity. Obviously, you all have very specific feelings about your viewing and, and how this fits with your own canon, uh, whether that's a very experienced uh, understanding of the characters or whether it's slated in a very specific time for me going in. 1994 film was, was the pinnacle, having just read the novel, which I'm so thankful to have had that experience going into this film. Uh, I still feel like my roots are in the, the 94 film. Uh, and everyone seems to love a different film most or connect with the novel. So what about you gals? What do you think? <laughs> I'd say my Just Like the Women film is the 1994 film, though I loved this one. It's just so different. It, I can't compare them almost. They're just very different. It was interesting in viewing this one because I was always comparing them to the 1994 cast like the entire time. Yeah, but I think I can just hold them in different hands and love them both for different reasons. I had a really different experience because I'm very much not attached to the 90s one. I just saw it for the first time last year, uh, so which is sort of embarrassing as an English major, but that's fine. We'll move on. So for me, I had seen it, and it was it was lovely, and I enjoyed it. Um, I hadn't also read the book either, um, but I did read the book right before uh, watching this one, and I think that coming at it with really no expectations except that of what I'd sort of read, uh, I just I loved so much how Greta Gerwig drew not just from Little Women but also from so much else of uh, Louisa May Alcott's life and her other writings and sort of, in my opinion, tried to tell the story that Alcott would have wanted told in some ways um, but wasn't able to due to, you know, time and era and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so uh, I love that. And um, I said in my nay, I was a little disconcerted a bit with the the jumping back and forth because um, uh, I just wasn't sure how that was, <coughs> excuse me, going to play out. But 
it ended up, I, I think it really, really enhanced and helped the film overall. Um, and it was just another layer of depth, kind of as Cassie said, how um, it just had so many layers within it that I really liked. Rich. I think that there is room for both films for me. Um, the 94 version is dripping with nostalgia, so it's hard to, as Cassidy said, put them against each other. And this one is so different. It decided to pick scenes that were that the 94 film didn't depict. It took, in some ways, it felt more true adaptation, yeah. especially with the dialogue, the scenes with Meg. Um, those are just verbatim the book. And there were small moments that I was surprised about. But then I understood why they used those specific scenes to sort of weave the two timelines together. So I appreciated seeing these other scenes get teased out and, and imagined for the screen. And I was so surprised. That ending was so surprising. Oh, um, but before we get into that, Rochelle, did you want to say anything about this? I think what you said, Stacey, is poignant and Cassidy as well in that there can be room for more than one version. And you were hinting at it as well, Laura, that we come to these different adaptations uh, as individuals in, at certain points in life. And we're able to attach through p potentially nostalgia, as you said, Stacy, or it just connects and resonates with us where we are at. And sometimes years pass and that love deepens and our attachment grows. And I think that I hadn't ever necessarily recognized my capacity for being one of those people who become super rigid in their attachment to something. I have like six film that I've ever rated like a perfect 10, and this is one of them. So, and they're completely emotional ratings. The 94 version. The 94 version. And that's that's my version. And having been exposed then to the book and having my own war with the book, um, every chapter I was in tears and rolling my eyes simultaneously. And it was just due to the excessive preaching that I found um, laced throughout the entire, the entire uh, saga. Understandably. But I just hadn't experienced any of that in the 94. But I got to know the the characters so much more and so much more deeply. And I got to see a lot more of that uh, in this version than was uh, accessible in the shorter runtime of the 94 film. So I am still holding that and I'm still parsing it out. Um, and I have so much more to think over and, and to unpack about that. But I'm recognizing my, my restriction in how I view the film and what I need the storylines I need. I need to see Laurie and um, Amy. I need to see them as children connecting when Beth is ill. I need to see that in order to understand how their love story evolves. I need to see uh, Mr. Bear as an older man who has something to offer Joe that no other man has had that she's experienced for me to believe that she'd be interested in moving forward in a partnered life. I have to see those things. And this version didn't have any of that for me. Wow. I'm so opposite. Like with Lori in the 94 and Amy, it was like such a disgusting matchup. For me as a child, I was grossed out. Did I misunderstand? No, I'm so sorry. In the book is oh, when okay. it is when you get so much more okay. of that, more exposure to their relationship as 
technically children. He's almost 17, I think, at that point when he has to spend every, he spends every day with Amy. He goes and sees her every single day mm-hmm. when she's ostracized because of Beth's illness. And I hadn't really attached to it so much in 94, but I grew to need it. And since the runtime is so extravagant in this in this Little Women adaptation for a film, uh, I was surprised to not see that developed um, to help understand how the transition could be made from one sister to the next. Seems like such a tricky transition, no matter who's coming at it. Like, I, I didn't read the book. Ah. But yeah, the 94 version also kind of at least gross Laurie Christian Bale, who ruined Christian Bale on me forever. It might have been because Kirsten Dunst was a child and then they switched to actors and it just seemed like that part in the carriage where he's like, I'll kiss you before you die. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> fucked up. It's gross. Which is not in the book. That was yeah, just that was, added. That's just Christian Bale no, being that's just, He's like, I want to kiss And I'm sure he's Chris. fine. I was just like a young girl when I first saw it. So I've like always been grossed out, like grossed out by him because of his Lori and the Amy relationship. But at least he did, Rochelle say I'll come and visit you every day because that wasn't here. Their relationship, I feel like, was more solidified in Paris in in this version, um, which I appreciated too because I felt like Amy's character kind of got gypped in the 94 version. She was very shallow, whereas in this one, I would say I agree with everyone where Beth was the least developed character, though I wonder if because she was such a meek and quiet child, that was almost intentional. You know, everyone like strangers couldn't get to know Beth, even even Mr. Lawrence. How do I not know these names off the top (laughs) of my head? But even Mr. Lawrence, you know, even gifting her the piano and stuff, you never saw that develop because she was so shy. So I wonder if that was intentional on Greta's part. Um, Anyway, I think that the 94 version, um, the scene where Beth is dying and her and Joe are are talking, that is actually closer to the book um, or at least gets closer to their interaction and and their conversation. It's just one of the most powerful. It is the catalyst for Joe to write Little Women. It's the most important part. And I and I don't know if Greta's like, oh, that was done perfectly. I'm not going to try to top that. We all know what's going to happen. I don't know. She, she was definitely, her priority, I think, was telling Louisa May Alcott's story through Joe. So I don't know what happened there. Um, but there's just some exquisite dialogue that the 94, I like the way the 94 version interpreted um, that was in the book that's so powerful and I don't know why they couldn't have done it and they chose to do the scene on the beach in the in the at the ocean which is in the book but that's not the most powerful moment between Beth and Joe before Beth dies so that was just confusing it was a missed opportunity with the little screen time that she did have I don't know why they she didn't pick a more powerful interaction for those two characters in Greta's film I took away that Beth inspired Joe to write the novel way more than in the 94 version. I don't even remember her mentioning, like, write it for me. I don't remember that dialogue at all or anything, like, even on the periphery of that, you know. In that one, it was more like, yeah, I just, it, you don't even really see Joe grieve, I feel like, in the 94 version. Like, there's the moment where she's sad and then Beth's bed gets covered in rose petals and then we're done. And then Joe's like merrily washing babies in milk and like so happy to be back home. And like, I don't know. I like the return. Going, but she's going through all the Pickwick Chronicles. You know, she's like returning to the attic after Beth dies and is looking at her doll and packing everything up. And then that is what 
is the catalyst for the sure but there's never like a direct link between beth like i did appreciate in the greta version of beth of the short story that she wrote for beth on the beach and then rediscovering that in the attic was a much stronger tie Mm -hmm. uh two little women for me and the 94 version, and I feel like this is just also a reflection of the era, was just a more surface version of everything for me, except for maybe Marmy was fully flushed for me. But everybody and Claire Danes, because like Claire freaking Danes. I mean, come on, Claire Danes, that chin. But as a whole, I felt like that movie was way more surface as this one was much richer as far as character development, aside from potentially Beth. But even then, the motivation for Joe was more clear in the in the newer version for me. I think what the 94 version provided was, especially for the time and overall for storytelling, it painted archetypes uh, within each sister. And so we had, we had Joe's anger and we had Meg's almost shame, but more her insecurity. And we had Amy's propriety and we had Beth's, self-sacrifice. And that was the through thread for every character, which ultimately, for me, helped create the balance between what these little women wanted with their lives, for their lives, set against the stricture of society. And as each of them pushed against society's um, specific restriction for their archetype, their specific personality trait that they were responsible for portraying that lives in all of us as an amalgam, we got to see how they quietly tried to turn, in their own way, quietly turn what society expected from them into a very personal journey and how they could confront these aspects of themselves that were not acceptable to the world that they lived in and or they were acceptable and they were negative and draining to who they were as women trying to move into a different phase of life, if nothing else. And I think that that's why I didn't connect uh, with any of the four characters portrayed in this film because I didn't have any of the aspects that were so passionately them in the book or in the 94 version, which doesn't give us very much time. It's a fairly short film in comparison, but the book absolutely holds on to these aspects of these women and pushes those aspects to the forefront, just pushes and pushes and pushes. And part of what makes their relationship, the four of them and then the two pairs specifically, um, work so well is is how those aspects of their, their personalities play off of one another and how they make up for those issues within one another to create a really beautiful whole. So I think that that's what I missed in, in this depiction. And I also missed the struggle with society because there, we were working so hard to unpack in a very enlightened way um, aspects of society that were unfair. We, I missed the struggle that each of these women had in a quiet way. And I think that's why I'm excited for the new generation of young women to see this version because this is more of, of the topic now, whereas that quiet struggle was definitely more 94. Should we talk about the ending? Sure. That is what I'm most excited to talk about because it's about my yay. Well, go for go it for then, it. girlfriend. I'll start it off. So it wasn't until uh, we saw her getting her book printed that I realized what was happening um, because I knew that Louisa May Alcott never married. Um, and uh, 
so when I realized what was happening and when they rushed the umbrella scene, I was like, oh my gosh, this is Louise May Alcott. Um, and then I had forgotten that she was ambidextrous. And that is something that Joe, they didn't, right in the beginning. So if you really knew your Lu Louise May Alcott, you knew what you were in for because that was Greta's priority. And I'm sure everyone has read now that that was what she was most excited about was to give the ending that Louisa May Alcott wanted was that Joe was a literary spinster, which I think I take very tongue in cheek. She was she was a, a literary spinster herself, um, and I'm sure she didn't think it was perfect all the time. I'm sure she's got you know had emotions, complex emotions about that. But that was really exciting and surprising for me was to see that injected, even though it took away from Sweet Fritz, my Sweet Friedrich, which I think is why I have a weird like older man thing maybe I, mean, I was dwelling Friedrich, on that 94 Friedrich oh. are you kidding me I had that realization reading the book I was like huh I read this when I was very young <laughs> Stacey, interesting Stacy's always had a thing for much older men right yeah it's weird <laughs> like Jeff Goldblum yeah I know weird All right. All right. but anyway I was bummed that I didn't get that because I love that love story well and it's interesting because I was thinking about that I was that was one of my concerns too with the the opening because that that whole time while she's in New York with Friedrich, it, it got so rushed. And I was really I think I was really confused till the ending and realizing like, oh, because that's really not important for her. And and I think it was really one of my favorite parts of it was when she has a line where she talks about um how she's so sick of uh, right, women and the only path or the only thing is is love and romance and all of that. And she just wants to write and she wants to be heard, but she's so tired of being lonely. And I thought that was so beautiful. And it was so um, kind of opened up that um, that that the complexity that that all people have, not just women, but men and everyone um, and how it became this uh at the end, how, yeah, it, it becomes so rushed and it becomes because it is for her. She has that complexity and she has these competing forces in her, but one is clearly dominant and she's always, by she, I guess, I mean, Alcott and any female writer pre a contemporary era where the women, the woman did have to end up dead or married at the end of the novel. And, um, for Alcott, it's, it's clearly the, it's the drive and the ambition and the wanting to be heard, but it just, it had, that had to be crushed for marriage for her characters. And this was their way to sort of flip that. And I really like that. Man, it's so interesting. The screenplay that we've adapted in the film that we're finishing now is an adapted screenplay that was written by a woman in Bellingham in 1914. And when you read the original script, it's an incredible story about two women in politics that's based off of real experiences. And suddenly in the middle, it turns into a fucking love story. And as we all read it, which we all in this room read it, we were like, what the fuck? And we had our executive producer as we were like rapping, call it a rom-com. And I had a very visceral reaction to that. And I was like, it is not a rom-com because we speculate that Ella just tucked that in to make it accessible to a wide audience. So I really appreciate the ending. And I think that will shed light for people that watch this film. If, if you read literature of that era, I think you'll start to notice <laughs> those red flags and other stories as well. Because, I mean, yeah, I think it was just something women unfortunately had to do. No, they describe it as mercenary. Yeah. yeah. And it's a theme with writers from that era. Um, Jane Austen. Mm -hmm. um, 
Emily Dickinson, um, the literary spinster, you know, mm-hmm. quote unquote literary spinster. Ella um, Higginson. Ella Higginson. Like these are these are all women that weren't married, but writing all of these stories about being married because that was what was selling and that's that was the demand that they had to meet. So I really appreciated the justice that mm-hmm. Greta served Louisa May Alcott. It felt like justice to me for Louisa May Alcott. It like gives me goosebumps now to talk about. Her and Saoirse, Greta and Saoirse, both kept one of those red bound books that it shows being bound in the film. Oh, can I like go around the table and ask... Which Lori, Rochelle? Well, we know you're disgusted with Christian Bale. <laughs> well, yes, we all know who my Lori is. <laughs> That's not the question. You know, my other yay was just just a Chalamet on my paper, okay. on my notes. So I was a pretty huge fan of TC in this one. And I think that part of it is his playfulness and his ability also to like become very maudlin. I like the drop of a hat. And I think that that worked really well for for the characterization of, of Laurie for me. And he just felt like he fit so much better with the group. Like the scene when he gets uh, inducted into the into their society up in the attic, when Christian Bale jumps out, you're kind of like, oh, God, like, are they going to be okay? Oh, God, there's <laughs> a grown man in the attic. Yeah, like, why is there a grown man in the attic playing with four girls? And with, when Timothy Chalamet jumps out, you're like, oh, it's silly, and they're all kids, and they're all like, you know, because they all look like they're 16. But um, but yeah, so I think that, that, for, that worked better for me, but... So Chalamet is, yeah. is your Lori? Well, we all know I'm a Friedrich gal, but... <laughs> so Gabriel Byrne. <laughs> so Gabriel Byrne all the way. Come on. Seriously. Gabriel Byrne. Wow. I would have to say Chalamet is much more true to the book. Like even his physicality is more... Mm-hmm. Boyish uh, instead of grown mannish. Or just like his wild hair. <laughs> you know, like he, when I read, when I reread the book, I was like, oh yeah, Chalamet is spot on. Um, so I would have to say Chalamet. There's a few moments in the 94 version that I just Which love. Um, <laughs> when uh, Lori, 94 Lori, is like, Lori. let's see what they do. And then they pull up the the opera goggles. And there's just like little moments between Lori and Joe of 94 that I just love. Again, nostalgia. Um, but he's much more age appropriate. And like you said, Laura, Chalamet fits in that group. Um, so that was brilliant casting, I think. And also he's so, like, I mean, he's Chalamet, so it was just brilliant. What uh, you guys had mentioned, I think you both mentioned in your nays about issues with some of the casting. So if Chalamet was perfect, who would be someone you think was maybe miscast or slightly you just didn't quite see? And we haven't talked about Marmy yet either, and I'm just throwing that out to circle back around too. So I wasn't sure about, I wasn't sure about Eliza Scanlon, and honestly not really a, a fan of Emma Watson's make. Um, I don't know if it was a mixture of her physicality in comparison with everyone else or just her acting in general. I honestly think I have a bias towards her because of Harry Potter, potentially. She looks so young to me. She looks like a little girl. I think she's a phenomenal actor. I just didn't believe her Meg for some reason. I felt like Joe and Laura Dern actually, excuse me, Saoirse Ronan and Laura Dern actually look like they could be related. And that's a big theme in the book is how similar. They're so tight. They're so connected. And Marmy, there's a lot of time devoted to Marmy telling Joe how much she was like her as a child. And so that I really locked into because at first when I saw Saoirse, I was like, she's not dark haired. <laughs> this is wrong. But I loved that casting. I thought that was, they were so great together. Um, but everyone else... 
I don't know. I love Florence Pugh, but yeah. she sounds like mm-hmm. such an adult as a kid too. That was a little distracting. Um, so I don't think the casting was as tight when compared to Sersha Chalamet, Laura Dern. Yeah, I could get behind that. Like I would say 94 Meg is my Meg and I do not know that actress's name, but way to go, you. <laughs> Best Meg. Yeah, I think I have this, a similar struggle with Emma Watson. I don't know. I wasn't blown away by her. I think it was just, I mean, it must have just been the way that Joe was portrayed is is what I was really locked into this entire film. Joe um, and Amy. I thought Amy was. I did. I Amy's love- usually the character that I'm kind of like meh about. Uh Again, I say usually having seen the movie once, um, but in this, like, I was so captivated by her the entire movie. And Florence Pugh is just incredible. Like, she's an incredible actress. I think it's so hard. It, I don't know if you could ever get it right casting because of the time shift in the story. Because I hated the time shift with Amy in '94. I loved young Amy. I did not like the adult Amy in '94 at all. I wasn't connected with her. And I think, too, like flushing him out in Paris a little bit more was very helpful for me because in 94, he just like breathes on her and he's like, <sighs> and then they're like married. And you're like, what? He also in the 94 version is like, I always knew I'd be part of the March family. Not in the book. Because he's right, a ladies? gross yuck yuck. That's not that's not yeah. that's just something that I when I reread it, I was like, hmm, maybe that was a line that I'd forgotten about. No. Well, because at one point Joe in the book says, I guess it's just gonna be Amy for him. Like she says that early on because like Meg gets married, Beth's clearly not gonna get married, and she's not gonna get married. Fun um, fact from the book. <laughs> so, well, so which I think is really interesting because and maybe this might be a nay, I don't know. Um when how severely she reacts when he comes back married because in the book she's like it takes her a minute she's kind of like oh I'm surprised but I'm really happy for you because I have no intention of getting married ever and so when she's kind of a bit more distraught about it and she's thinking about accepting him kind of leaning into the loneliness piece um, that was a little disconcerting and that's but not in the book for those people who have read it <laughs> not no at she's all. totally fine with it okay I yeah, mean and that makes more sense like I think the 94 reaction this is so funny. This whole well, podcast uh, just has just become, <laughs> uh, it's just become a comparison between the two films. I mean, the 94 reaction is very much. For those who don't know the 94 re- version very well, why don't you fill in our listener about how the reaction is? Why I would love to. I mean, I think it sounds more true to the book where essentially they walk in and they're like, hey, we're married. And Joe immediately embraces it and is like, wow. Uh-huh. And they're like, are you upset? And she's like, no, of course not. I mean, it's like a one minute scene where all of that transpires. And slimy Laurie is what we'll from now on be referring to the 94. See, and I loved Christian Bale as Laurie because I didn't get disconcerted with the relationship with him and him and Amy at all just because I saw him being in his own way trying to be like a playful big brother. And Amy's depiction of this young woman who was so in love with him and him just being sweet to her. That's what I always saw it as um, because I could tell that he was in love with Joe. Uh, and so there was a very clear line there for me. Uh, but when I read the book, I liked their relationship so much more than than any adaptation has ever offered, uh, except potentially the miniseries that was released last year uh, in, or I think it was 2017, mm-hmm. uh, the three-hour miniseries that I actually really enjoyed quite a bit. Maya Hawk was Joe in that, and I thought that she did a great job uh, portraying Joe in, in a very different way. But out of all of the characterizations that I had the most difficult time with, 
this is my yay nay. Uh, Florence Pugh is fantastic. And I loved every single second she was on screen. And she was not Amy to me in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> she had no propriety. She squealed and jumped about. And it's the absolute antithesis of Amy. Whenever she would squeal or jump about in the book or even in a filmic adaptation, she'd immediately like reserve herself and figure out what she needed to be to be proper and prim. And she had fun with her sisters, but she's always trying to rein that in. And I didn't see any of that struggle uh, in, in Florence's portrayal. And I still, she was my favorite person to watch, um, even more than Chalamet. She was my favorite, and she was funny, and she had all these great one-liners. And I think that that's another way uh, that I find it helpful to hold on to this as just uh, an alternative adaptation uh, that is really based on on Greta's view of the world and her desire to, to honor uh, an icon that hasn't been honored, um, a literary genius who hasn't been honored in this way before. I wonder if some of the squealing and all of that was to help sell Florence Pugh as a young girl, because that is it was extreme. Um, it was extreme. It's something that I noticed. But again, she's Florence Pugh and she's going to win an Oscar one day. It's a matter of time. She's amazing. Um, but I wonder if that's why. I wonder if that was a director's choice to sell Florence Pugh as a 12-year-old. <laughs> it does make the the growth then when she's in Paris and she's like so... Um, demure. Demure. Thank you. Uh, to It does. It makes that contrast so much more stark. Yeah, I think in 94, Kirsten Dunst was such a child that I didn't see any prim and properness in her. She was just a little girl. She was just a little girl that like wanted to tag along with her sisters and that's all she was. Except, yeah, not even with the limes. Like in her, the way she would talk, you could hear her propriety. But she was a child. She was just a little kid that wasn't proper or anything. She was a child. Should we get into Marmee? What are your thoughts, Cassidy? I think I liked Susan Sarandon's portrayal. Well, I, there were moments in each movie that I appreciated. I feel like 94 version, Susan Sarandon's portrayal of Marmee. She spoke more about her issues with the world and women's limitations and spoke to all of her little women about it. I feel like she was more, she was announcing like proverbs more, or, you know, she was like bestowing her wisdom upon her children more frequently where in this version, there were definitely intimate moments between Joe and Marmy, And there was very understated subtleties in her character that I loved you know, where she's not even really delivering lines. It's just how she's like embracing her little women at uh, Meg's wedding, specifically when Amy finds out she's going to go travel abroad in Europe and Joe's not going to go. So I feel like Laura Dern did a great job as at, at, in those understated moments. But Susan Sarandon was like a more outspoken Marmy to her girls, which I loved. And they're both such phenomenal actresses. I mean, Susan Sarandon's my Marmy. But I loved elements of both. It's interesting when you were saying that because when the word that jumps into my mind and for Marmy or for Susan Sarandon's Marmy is almost like angelic's not quite right, but to me she does she feels like a like a like a sage or she's like elevated sort of above. And what I really appreciate about Laura Dern's was how human she was, um, which I think is it comes up a lot in the book about like she had they, that relationship with Joe is more developed as well, and how she herself is struggling with her own 
tendencies as a human. And, um, and, you know, there's that moment when she's, they're in the, um, they're wrapping up the bat, the blankets to give to the men who are off to see their, their sons in the hospitals. And she has a line about no, not being ashamed of her country for the first time. And the woman next to her says, you should still be ashamed. You know, she, there's the, the, to see her get checked in that way is really interesting. Um, and I, I felt like Laura Derns was just more, they're both, again, yes, I, I echo what Cassie says. They're both lovely and amazing performances, but Laura Derns felt a bit more like earthy, maybe. Flawed, maybe. I think I just want like Susan Sarandon to like hold me in her bosom like a mom. You know, I could like hug her. Do you ever have that feeling? Like I also have it about Carrie from Sex in the City, which is really weird. But like she could hug me like <laughs> a mom. Is a, that is a very different. I mean, it's a very character. fine bosom. It's a fine. But I mean, just as far as like, like, I don't know. It's something about like her presence where I'm like, you could hug me and I would feel like you're my mother and I would be comforted in the same way. And I have that same feeling with Susan Sarandon. Weird thing to announce to the Internet. <laughs> Okay, so Stacey, Michelle, thoughts on Marmy? Marmy's bosom, anything? I loved both. Um, I think Susan Sarandon's is probably more close to the book for some reason. Something about her tone. Um, Michelle mentioned that the in the book, it is very much a morality lesson almost every chapter. Or Marmy's imparting some sort of wisdom, like, oh, you did this, and that's because of this, and which is just, you know the time period um but they're both excellent marmies they're both phenomenal ladies i think laura dern was a little more wild i think she teased out more of the joe in laura dern's character which i liked i think laura dern definitely fit in with the rest of the tone of the film so that's i think the accolade that i can bestow uh I personally really enjoyed Mr. Lawrence being more prominent, mm -hmm. a feature uh, in this adaptation as he is hugely important in the original story and is a lot more involved in the family than I ever knew. And I really appreciated that. I love, in, in the book specifically, Mr. Lawrence and Laurie and Amy become very close and are always together and they've developed this really beautiful relationship and we don't get that much anywhere. And so I wish we would have, I would love to see an eventual adaptation that locks into to that relationship that's able to develop, especially from so much sorrow uh, in their, in their previous, in their life, just as grandfather and grandson. What if we wait until we're all like in our forties and fucking adapt little women? I really just want to do Louise May Alcott yes, while she's writing Little Women. Ooh. And then just maybe just peeks see. into it. You could like check in with her stories even or something. I mean, she's just writing this glorified love story essentially, but she's like trying to maintain um, artistic integrity in what she wants to actually write about. But her family is so interesting. They lived in a commune. This like her, her father was an intense liberal. They were abolitionists he was a transcendentalist which actually the 94 shuts out too they talk about transcendentalism in the 94 version but anyway her family is fascinating they were they definitely struggled with money um and her father was this sort of wild idealist based on what i can glean um from doing the research that i did before the podcast um but she's just got this wild family life that would be so 
engaging to see play out alongside this book being written. So that's what I want to do when we're in our okay. 40s, which is actually not which very is far really away. close, guys. <laughs> we'll like we'll we'll kick it to like late 40s or like or 50s. 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 That made me think of a yay. <gasps> okay. <laughs> so a yay for me seriously was the change at the end instead of making it a school for boys. It was a school for girls and boys. Yeah, that was wonderful. Because, duh. I mean, what? we talk so much about Amy not having a good school experience. I do not understand why the original book made it a school for boys, especially with how Joe feels. See, I can criticize all sorts of things. Uh, how Joe feels about her own experience being educated, her having to educate Beth at home, and then Amy being struck at school, you would think that she would have a fire in her to open a school that allows anyone to learn. Seriously, that's some justice yeah. served. I love that. Because it's true, you know, and, and again, that's the time. You know what I mean? Like, we so don't live in Louisa May Alcott's time. So... And she was trying to sell this. You know, she wrote half of it and it was popular. And they were like, yeah, I mean, exactly what happened in this film is what happened to Louisa May Alcott. They were like, we want, we want this story and she wants money because her family is poor. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but it is true. Sure you would think, does. I mean, I wish Louisa May Alcott were here today because she'd be like, fuck yeah, there should be a school for girls and boys. So Greta... You know, Greta had a, a film before Lady Bird that Lady Bird that she co-directed. So everyone talks about Lady Bird being her directorial debut and how this is just her her second film. They talk about, they talk about it like that all the time, and I'm just like, okay, that's confusing because I never even knew that she co-directed a film before Lady Bird. Can you recall the title? I feel like I've seen every Greta film it's I could get Francis my hands Hall? up. No, Francis Ha was she co-wrote that. With with Noah, but um, but he directed that. But one. he directed that. She started. Yeah, it. she co-directed Nights and Weekends with Joe yes. Swanberg. They co-wrote and co-directed that together in 2008. I mean, you should if you haven't dabbled in like early Greta, you should. Though it is very Greta. Well, just mumblecore in general. If you can dive into that, it'll shed a lot of light on the themes that she chooses to tease out and the humor that she utilizes, which she will be applying in 2022 with Barbie. Fuck yeah. Because she, with Margot Robbie. <laughs> Sorry, what? In the title role, her and Noah. Goosebumps. Are writing, they're writing Barbie. And then she's directing. Barbie's been passed around for like years, I feel like. At first it was Amy Schumer. Then right. it was someone that I don't remember. And then it got completely shelved. Wow. I mean, I could see them doing justice. And they have... I feel like the right type of humor to attack that sort of a storyline and the the right type of forward thinking in a level head. You know, I feel like they don't get too extravagant in their themes that they try to address. It's all very like human and basic, which should be good. Well, and I, that's really what happened with Little Women. It got passed around and passed around and passed around, and then she signed on to write. Yeah, just to write. Just to write. And she then kind of strong yeah, weighed her Yes, into, yes, yeah. exactly. And then they're like, will you direct? She's like, I've been waiting for you to ask. So considering the comparisons we've drawn and the new direction this adaptation takes and our ruminations, takeaways. My takeaway was very personal on this film. 
I like went home and wept. So we're wrapping our first feature film. And I think because each woman was striving to be like so her best self through the struggle, through the mundane day-to-day life as well, my takeaway is to just make art that matters and do the fucking best job I can and not stopping. Uh, My takeaway would be that I think a lot of our conversation since we are four women talking about little women has been about this as an experience uh, that resonates with us on this personal level or things that we've gone through or things that we've been told or just things, you know, the way in which we've interacted with um, art made for the majority by men for men, but watched by women in some ways. And I think um, the, one of my major takeaways is that yes, this is written, this was written and directed by a woman. It was an adaptation of a female's novel, but I think this is absolutely a film for everyone. Uh, I'm going to be taking my niece and nephew to see it. I'm very excited about this um, because they are, eight and nine and I think it's going to be um a really cool thing but I I just I realized I was thinking about this and um Greta Gerwig in an interview actually she was being interviewed by Jimmy Fallon and he's talked about watching it and how he wanted to watch it with his daughter because it was for her and and Greta said to him he's like well it's for you too Jimmy like this is a movie for everyone and so I would um definitely uh just want to put that out there that I think um everyone should go see it when we had made the plan to go see Little Women I had no idea that my husband wanted to go see it because I've been trying to get him to see the 94 version for a long time. And hell no, he's not going to watch it. He doesn't want to sit through a period piece. And he told me like two days before, he's like, when are we going to go see Little Women? I'm like, what? You want to see Little Women? Um, And so I would agree with you, Laura, that my my takeaway is excitement um, around the new audiences that this film will bring in, particularly men. because Greta Gerwig is so cool, you know? And that's why he went, because he loves Greta Gerwig, because she makes really cool movies. And so she brought that coolness to a period piece, which is is so exciting for me, just being formed and molded by period pieces and that era of literature. So, uh, yeah, I, that is a big takeaway for me, too, is the this male audience that I hope gets excited about this film that's a part of who I am like formative Stacy story. So take away. My partner Brandon also enjoyed the film and hasn't seen the 94 version yet, though it's on our list for this year uh, to view as a part of my childhood. We're going through our films that have impacted us um, and sharing those with one another this year. And that, of course, 94. Little Women is going to be one of them, but he, even days after we had watched the film, was texting me scenes that he remembers enjoying. Uh, from this from this adaptation and he also enjoys Greta Gerwig and and that probably is a portion of it but ultimately it's this the storytelling and and pieces that resonate and moments that last past the credits and so I'm very thankful for that I think it was an article that I read in the height of preparing for this podcast uh, written by Rex Reed for The Observer, uh, rhapsodizing about his complete love for the 1949 Little Women and had so much to say about the shortcomings of this adaptation in comparison to his true love, the 1949 version. And I think that that was, it was a important moment for me in my own reflection in how to hold 
what matters to us. We talk a lot about nostalgia and what lays the foundation or the groundwork for future film being accepted. And this version, finding a new audience instead of just kowtowing to the old audience is probably its greatest success in my eyes. And so I'm very thankful it exists. I'm incredibly excited to see what new eyes find this work and what it means for the future of film, what it means for the future of taking classic stories, important, poignant, sometimes quiet stories written by women about women and turns them into stories for everybody. Final takeaway, when Laura watched the 94 Little Women, it was last year at a Little Women-themed Christmas party that we had where we all dressed as a little woman. So do that. It's the best costume party you could ever throw. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. Did you have fun, really? Oh, I will be back. Perhaps at a next novel adaptation film. This has been a Talking to Crows production. 